This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 31. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Josh. Knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> you sure are excited to see me. <laughs> I am Classic. indeed. I am indeed. That was that was not juvenile <laughs> at all. <laughs> that was awesome. How, how's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. Things are things are going great with the with the fam with the with the site. Uh, we we uh, you and I had a a uh, powwow into the depths of the night last night, which was uh, a lot of fun. And and uh, yeah, things are great, man. How about yourself? Things are good. I didn't sleep much because we were skyping until like three in the morning. Okay, it was it, midnight, but <laughs> it was actually like eleven thirty your time. <laughs> yeah, after but I, my time, and I was awoken by a a screaming infant at four in the morning. So you um, know, I'll have you know, I was woken by a cat walking on my face at three in the morning. So you know what, I you, you cannot complain. <laughs> you know, you have nothing to complain about. <laughs> And you know the worst part about that kind of wake up call though is the fact that frankly and we're going to lose some listeners here. I think cats are gross. <laughs> you have a cat that crawls in its own stuff and scratches and buries it and then goes and walks on your face. That's Trust like, me, your your new baby does worse. So you love you love your baby. I love my cat. <laughs> crazy cat lady man. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, things are going well, man. Things are good, but uh, let's let's jump into it because because we've got a a very fun uh, and interesting show, and and uh, I'm I'm excited about it. So why don't we jump right into our quick, quick tip? Uh, today's quick tip is don't let your cat in a box <laughs> and scratch you in the face at four in the morning. <laughs> good, good quick tip. You like that? Oh, I like nice. that. All right, cool. So now today's quick tip is. G plus Google plus. If you are not already on Google plus, it is definitely a great network, great place to be. Lots of cool interaction, and of course, we are uh, present on Google plus. Bigger Pockets can be followed at G plus slash Google plus slash Bigger Pockets. Actually, that's not true at all. <laughs> Google plus has the most complicated URLs ever. Yeah. So uh, just look us up. Go uh, go on Google plus and look up Bigger Pockets and. And be sure to uh, follow us there. Or we'll link to it in the show notes, which are at biggerpockets.com slash show31, because nice. this is the 31st show of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Very exciting. Yes. So uh, today on the show, uh, we're, we're talking with a fairly new uh, real estate investor, but somebody who's really smart and successful already. Uh, he's a wholesaler from the Austin, Texas area, Lamar Cannon. Uh, Lamar was a sales professional who used his uh, skills in business to create what what you know is is really starting to become an impressive wholesaling business, and uh, he's he's gonna share all his innermost secrets with us today. He's gonna share uh, some great advice and tips, uh, and and uh, you should definitely tune in because there's some good stuff. Even if you're not a wholesaler, uh, definitely pay attention. Of course, like all our shows, definitely make sure. If you've got any questions, 
to, to post them in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show31. Lamar will be happy to jump in and answer any and all your questions. So uh, certainly do that. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Uh, so uh, why don't we just jump into this interview? All right, Lamar, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me here. I'm, I'm pretty excited excited to be here on the oh, show. Oh, was that like the Nintendo? Yeah, that's that's my uh, my iPhone ringtone. That's so. awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, change mine to be just like that. Reminds <laughs> me of being a kid. That's awesome. Nice. Well, very yes. cool. Well, perfect timing. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. that people are calling you during this show. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's muted now, so we're good. Uh, I just nice. want you guys to hear it once. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you made my day. You made my day. All right, man. So, so let's let's hop into this and and get to the beginning. How on earth did you get started? How did I get started? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I started out um, growing up. Uh, my dad and my uncles they had a uh, real estate. Uh, they had construction companies. Uh, ever since I was eight years old, I was always doing some kind of work on a house, um, and then so uh, Wait, uh, you, I, you realize that you just admitted that your your dad and uncle had you on a job site <laughs> doing repairs, construction well, work on on houses. I'm I hopefully I didn't end up purchasing that house because there's a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was mostly handing handing out the tools at that age. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was really hammering too many things. But um, I, I just uh, that helped me associate uh, real estate with uh, hard work, 
And uh, if anyone that knows me, they know that uh, I like to get results uh, in the easiest way possible. Um, so I uh, decided to, to step away from real estate and go into business. And so that's what I studied in college. Um, I got into investing in stocks and doing all kinds of, kinds of different other things. I became the vice president of a software development company um, shortly after I got done with college. Nice. Um, and then uh, I just saw that the returns in stocks and working for someone else weren't, weren't my, my favorite things in the world to do. Uh, so I just uh, started digging into real estate a little bit. Um, and then once I um, got deeper into that, I saw that we can make pretty good returns um, without doing uh, too hard of manual labor. Um, so it's tough work, but I mean, there's not too much manual labor unless you're um, working on the house yourself, which uh, I don't do currently. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. No, that's awesome. And yeah, I, I, I went into the market myself. I was like a prop trader for for a little while after college and uh prop and trader that sounds so pro- proprietary trader yeah don't, fancy, don't worry about it fancy it's terminology above, it's above your pay grade Brent. <laughs> <laughs> lamar knows what i'm talking about <laughs> thanks all right awesome well so how did you end up making the switch over to real estate well uh while i was still in college i i ended up uh, doing a real estate deal it was actually kind of an accident because i knew some people i heard them talking and they were talking about one of their houses that they didn't live in. Um, and it was, it was rented out to a couple of their friends. Um, and then with that, uh, it didn't end up working out. Uh, the person that was renting the house out stopped paying the rent for about six months. And then the bank was about to foreclose on the house. So this was at the time that a lo- the bank was taking a lot. The banks were taking a lot of houses back. They didn't really want too many more houses on their inventory. So I, I got the idea that I could the, the homeowners, they just wanted to let it go. They had other houses that they were building, other houses that they owned. They didn't really need credit too much anymore. So they're going to let the bank take it back. So I just decided that um, if they, I, I told them if they let me uh, get the house sold for them, um, if, if they would let me get the profit, because the house was worth about $80,000 in the current condition that I was in. Um, and then we ended up, uh, there's about $40,000 worth of equity on the house. So what we, what I ended up doing is I told them to I'll I'll, let, I'll sell it for them so that they don't have to uh, pay the mortgage or they don't have to have a foreclosure on their record. Um, I had no idea how I was going to make this happen, but I knew <laughs> we had a, a good amount of room to make it happen. So what I ended up doing, I told them um, I would pay the mortgage um, until the house sells, um, as well as I would help them find a way to get it sold. So it was in a different state. So I called uh, an agent in that state. I told them that we needed to sell this house at this price. And then I had to call the bank and tell the bank that we're going to get the house sold. And if they could move all the late payments to the end of the loan, so that could be current. And then we keep paying the mortgage until the house sells. So uh, we ended up doing that. It actually, I I was in college at the time. So I guess uh, everyone that's been in college knows that uh, you don't have too big of a budget when you're in college. So uh, I had to switch to the ramen noodle diet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which is the typical (laughs) diet of the college student anyway, right? (laughs) And then uh, I was paying an extra, I was paying that mortgage every month. So I did that for about four months until the house sold. Um, We ended up selling it to another investor. Um, And so that's how I I ended up uh, getting excited about real estate. Um, I wasn't too smart with the money because being in college, um, I ended up uh, using that for a spring break trip. <laughs> so, uh, hey, that's a, that's a good use of the money, I think, as a college kid. Why not? But, but that's how I got into real estate in terms of that's what excited me about it because I really didn't do too much. I just found an opportunity. Nice. That's awesome. That's so, 
So do you do do you do any like stocks anymore? Or are you one hundred percent real estate now? I'm hundred percent real estate. I took all my money out of stocks and put it into real estate because um, I, w- I, w- I just wasn't getting the returns that I wanted um, in stocks. So if I had millions of dollars to invest, uh, getting a five to 10, 20% return a year, uh, that would be pretty awesome. Um, but I'm not there yet. So what I decided to do is get a return on my money quicker um, in terms of making it grow. So all the stocks that I was investing in in 2008, Right now, most of them are about double. So that means about four, four or five years pass and the stock's doubled. So if I had $10,000, I'd turn that into $20,000, which isn't too exciting when you start getting into real estate and you're doing wholesaling or whatever kind of deals that someone's doing, um, you can get a much higher return on that in a couple of years. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hey, so I got a question on that first deal. The the uh, you said you called the bank. How did that go? Tell us about that conversation and, <laughs> and what was the response? Because I, I think that's something that, you know, I, I don't think we've actually talked to anybody in the first 30 shows so far about, you know, their, their actual calls and conversations with the bank. So would love to okay. get, get a little insight into that. Okay. Um, well, I called, I called the bank for them and I told them where the house was at. I mean, they knew where the house was at, that it was passed um, on the mortgage and they're about to foreclose on it pretty soon. So I just had the thought in my mind that they didn't want to get another house back that was going to sit on their, in their books um, for a good amount of time. So I just called them and I told them um, that we're going to end up selling the house. It should sell within the next six months. Uh, we're going to make the mortgage current. It's going to get paid every single month, one time, not a day late. Um, and then it took them a little bit to respond. Uh, banks aren't, aren't the fastest at responding. Uh, so it took them a little bit to respond. But once they did, they said, that's okay. I start paying the mortgage, and then three months later, the house sold. So, who do you talk to at the bank? Is that, I mean, is there a specific person, uh, you know, role per, per player at the bank that you want to talk to? The person in charge of mortgages? I mean, who who is that? Uh, it was just that was the only time I ever had to call a bank okay. and uh, negotiate it that way. So, I just called uh, the mortgage department, and they put me in touch with the person that does it. I don't remember exactly what their position was. That's fine. But it was just I was just trying to be solution oriented and make it happen, and that's what we ended up doing. That's great. And there was no, no back and forth on that. It was just the one call. Here's my pitch and, and, uh, let, let us think about it for a couple of days. And then they got back to you. Absolutely. It was actually a pretty quick response. Now, right did, did you actually have, t- you didn't have title to that, right? They like the, the sellers still own the, the house, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And so you just then, uh, like how did you make money then off? I mean, like, did you make, did you call it a finder's fee or how did you actually make the money? Oh, you're talking at close, Brandon? Yeah, like I closed. Did you wholesale? I mean, like exactly. I'm just confused exactly. Yeah, it was, how you it, was, the money. it wasn't the best structured deal. I mean, it was my first one, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't the best structured. It was all dependent on trust, um, nice. and I, I trusted the people I was working with pretty pretty well. So uh, once they got paid by the bank, they ended up giving giving the extra uh, that they got paid. They ended up giving that to me. Okay, yeah, that's uh, made up. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm going to go back to my question on the on the bank thing because I know when I call the bank and uh, they ask me questions, the first question they ask are, "What are the last four years social?" And, <laughs> and I, you know, and if it's my wife calling on my behalf, they say, "Well, we can't talk to you about this loan. We have to talk to the uh, the, the the person of record, of course." Well, my wife could, but you know, my mom or somebody else wouldn't be able to call. So how how are you able to to actually get through? Uh, being that you weren't the the owner of of the the note, well, I was a, I was able to get through with the help of the current owner. So they okay. uh, they did most of the talking, um, and then as well as 
uh, once they told the bank that they're going to let me handle it from there, uh, they had to sign some paperwork to let that let that be possible. Okay. Uh, to make that official, and then and then I was able to uh, communicate with them from there. Got yeah, it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's great. That that definitely makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. You know what I like about your story, Lamar, is that like that first deal is it's something I always say, like, I think it's important for people to go out and just kind of, I mean, not be like reckless, but, you know, move forward and just start doing something. And you're going to figure a lot of things out just as you go. And like that deal yeah. definitely was something that you just kind of kept pushing forward and figured out as you went and it made you who you are today. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's, there's one thing um, that I always see a lot of new people do. I'm the opposite of this because um, I used to do it in the past with a lot of things, but there's steps like to accomplish something. There's a certain amount of steps. So if there's 30 steps, some people want to know all 30 steps before they take one action. Um, so with me, uh, I try to figure out what step one is, start doing step one and try to figure out step two before I'm finished with step one. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's awesome. So uh, so wholesaling, you kind of wholesale that first deal, even though technically you know, it was a, a kind of a weird way of doing it. But so how, how did you actually get into wholesaling then like as a business? Yeah. So once I did that, um, I was thinking that it was pretty in my mind, it, I was thinking it was pretty impossible to do that on a regular basis. Um, so because I was thinking of it, structuring it the exact same way. So it was pretty impossible to continue to do that on a regular basis. So in my, I kind of took a took a big break off real estate, and I, I, I was wanting to try to figure out a way to continue to do that. But but what I ended up doing is I just kept researching and researching and researching, and then I was just like, well, maybe I can find these deals for people and then just pass it off to someone. Um, and then once I was doing decided to go down that path, then I figured out what wholesaling was through YouTube and all over the internet, especially looking on bigger pockets. Yeah. And I found out that you can make more than uh, <laughs> just a couple hundred dollars on a deal. And uh, so we, we try to do that as frequently as possible. Awesome. That's oh. great. That's great. And and I think I think part of <laughs> what the impetus to that was, I, I'm guessing you, you, you probably didn't want to trust people to, to, to just give you the money after the deals closed. <laughs> like, hey, we, yeah. we had a deal, man. Come on, where's my cash? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, everything's cool until someone gets the money in their hands and then the decisions change a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. got to get everything down on paper. Exactly, exactly. Nice. Okay, so so you get into wholesaling and, and you know, did you, did you uh, now that you've kind of learned it and studied it, did you just jump right in and start doing it again or... or uh, what was what was kind of the process at that point? Now that you realize, hey, I want to be a wholesaler. Okay. Well, my transition into it was pretty, uh, I'd say, kind of slow, because at the time I was planning on opening a, a direct sales business, um, and so that's that's what I did. I had a time period for about three years where I did a hundred percent commission, door to door sales, business to business, or door to door, which I think that helped me develop a, a lot of the the business. Uh, acumen that I have now because you, you meet a lot of business people doing that as well as um, they're they're pretty excited that you're out there working hard so I learned a lot from them uh, as well that, as the people I was working for and you weren't selling phone books right <laughs> I, I wasn't selling phone books <laughs> but I could though <laughs> <laughs> nice nice and uh, so from there um, I just uh, I decided once I, I decided once I got into wholesaling I just um, it was kind of a slow transition because I was doing the normal mistake that most new people make is every time you, you find a strategy and then you hear about a different one and you think that can make you more money. So you kind of 
bounce, you bounce from strategy to strategy to strategy, and next thing you know, instead of being good at, at one thing, you're really below mediocre at everything. Yep. And so I had to go through that, take some bumps in the road. I was wholesaling here and there on accident. Um, but uh, once I got consistent with my strategy and I decided to focus on one thing at a time, then that's when we started to, 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 to get it rolling. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome uh, bit of feedback because I, I think so many people, uh, especially many who are li- probably listening to the show right now, are are going through that, right? You know, the the next best shiny object that that stands out, and and they jump around, and yeah. uh, clearly, uh, that's it's not a good strategy. Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of hard not to do that because there's so so much good marketing on the internet about different programs and different things. And so once you read that, then you're, you read it and you're like, wow, this strategy is better than what I'm using now. That's probably why I'm not making money. And then you switch. <laughs> then two months later, you do the same thing. Well, I know I'm guilty. Of that. I mean, I, every week on the podcast here, we interview a guest who's got a little bit different uh, you know, way of making money in real estate. And every week, like we hang out from the call and me and Josh go, man, that sounds so cool. We should totally do that. <laughs> like, you know, every week it's like that. Every, the grass is always greener on the other side. But, you know, kind of like, Absolutely. yeah, in our, in a. The ultimate beginner's guide, the uh, to real estate investing that we have on the site. One of the the chapters in there is about finding your niche and your strategy. And it's basically yeah, find one strategy that works and then find a niche within that. So like mm-hmm. yeah, wholesaling and wholesaling houses. You know that that's a niche and a strategy, and then just focus on that and get really good at it. Exactly like yeah, you absolutely. said. So yeah, I think the thing that helped me the most is uh, uh one of the really awesome business uh, business women that I know. She told me it's better to be great at one thing. Uh, the mediocre it a lot. And so instead of focusing on being average at 10 things, find one thing and be great at it and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. So I think that's really good advice for oh, yeah. starting out. I think that helped me out a t- tremendously because otherwise I would have been just spreading myself thin trying to get good at every single type of thing. That's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, was she, was she a mentor or just a, a friend of yours who had some good uh, pearls of wisdom? Pretty much both. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so what neighborhoods are you focused on? You know, speaking of niches and finding your, your place, what are you, what are you looking for when you wholesale a deal nowadays? Uh, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for whatever my buyers are looking for. Um, and then I think, I think, uh, that's, that's a a thing that a lot of new wholesalers, they just look for properties everywhere. So when I first started out, I was finding properties, what they're like in the country where not too many people that I knew wanted to buy there. So I think my strategy right now is I'm focusing on properties that are really close to the center of the city, um, which is where most of the cash, cash transactions are happening and a lot of the investors are pretty excited about because Austin is a really competitive market in terms of real estate, in terms of finding the deals. So um, most people that are that are looking for deals, if they can find anything within 10 to 12 miles from downtown, then they're, they're doing a really good job. Okay, so so you know a lot a lot of people find that wholesaling is this chicken and an egg problem, right? Mm-hmm. So some strategies, some people will strategize, hey, I'm going to go and find buyers, and and once I have the buyers, uh, they're going to tell me what they want, and I'm going to go out and find them. Uh, a, a lot of other people will say, listen, no, that's that's crazy. Go find good deals, and the buyers will come. And I I tend to agree, both work, uh, w- but I I prefer the latter. What which which was your strategy? My strategy was to do both at the same time. Okay. So I think, I think a lot of people stop themselves and they, they hinder their progress a little bit when they only look for buyers first and then have buyers and then look for deals. Because if you get a deal um, 
most most uh, people that are going to flip houses or most people that are looking to invest in houses, they're looking for a house that the final value of that house, the after repair value, the price that they buy it at is 70% uh, of that minus the repairs. So if you find a deal like that, it doesn't matter where, I mean, it doesn't matter too much about if you have buyers or not, you're going to have five people banging on your door within the first 10 minutes of you posting that. Right. Yeah. So basically you find a good deal, you're going to find buyers is, is really the bottom line. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Um, the, the, th the thing about finding buyers, uh, the, the more different types of buyers you have, the more properties you can wholesale. Because um, in my mind, I kind of categorize uh, buyers into all different categories. So nice, nice. All right, so let, let's let's chat a, a tiny bit about the buyers here. How many buyers do you need? I mean, you know, I mean, I, a, a lot of people will say, "Hey, I need a buyers list. I want ten thousand people on a buyers list." And and frankly, I think that's crazy. I think you know, <laughs> you need five, ten good buyers, and and you're set. But what's what's your theory on that, and what's worked for you? Uh, I agree. Uh, you don't need a, a ton of buyers. You just need all the different types of buyers is what I, what I think. Um, because there's, there's different types of people that do different things with properties. Some people are more aggressive than others. Some people um, take more risk than other people. Um, so a lot of times um, we'll, I'll be able to find a deal uh, and then get the house under contract. Uh, and then uh, once I do that, I can figure out um, if I, what, which buyer is going to buy it. So while I'm negotiating, I'm thinking about which type of buyer is going to buy it. So there, in my mind, there's a couple of different types of buyers. Um, the kind that, that I, so there's a normal buyer that wants to fix and flip. So they're going to want 70%, they want to buy it at 70% minus the repairs that the house needs. Um, there's other buyers that do what Jason Grote talked about on the, on, uh, the call that he was on, which is called wholetailing. So basically that buyer, they'll buy the property from you. They'll get the property in a condition that it can be financed by a bank so that someone that wants a fixer-upper can get a bank loan and purchase that property. So that strategy is a, a strategy that will get a, a buyer in and out a little bit quicker um, in terms of uh, the return on their investment. Uh, there's also buyers that, that fix the property and then rent it out. Um, they'll purchase at a certain price. Uh, there's buyers who buy it and then hold it for three months because they know the market's going to go up and then don't even do anything to it and then resell it uh, because they're able to get more comps. So there's some of those strategies that are a little bit a little bit riskier, but it's just like investing in the stock market. There's all different types of investors. Yeah. And so if there's only one type of investor, then most of the stocks would be at dramatically lower prices. But there's people that day trade, there's value investors, there's people that are going to hold the stock for a year, there's people that are going to hold it for 30 years. So it's the same th kind of thing with uh, real estate is the people that are buying the properties from you. You have to have all different types with all different strategies because that way, whenever you're negotiating with someone that really wants to sell their property and there's a certain amount owed on the property that you can't go below, then you are still able to find a solution for that person as well as find a deal for someone that's a pretty much a home run deal for them as well. That's awesome. Cool. So, hey, how are you finding these buyers? Like how should people start out finding them? Uh, well, I think the easiest way to start out is, I mean, you can do some Craigslist posts, uh, posting that I, I, I'm a wholesaler, I, I buy properties. The best way is for the people to actually meet you and know you. 
So uh, I think I met a lot of people that buy properties from me um, through a, a bigger pockets meetup that we had here in Austin. Nice. Um, oh, so that, yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty awesome. I feel like most of the people that I know, I met them through bigger pockets, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and I've met a couple of uh, really people that I, I would call geniuses uh, through through bigger pockets. Um, and it's good for, to learn from those people as well. And then I, I have another tip uh, for some some people that are starting out. If you're starting out in wholesaling, um, a good thing that I do is I have a, a certain price on the property that I want to sell it at. Um, and then when I when a person wants to buy the property from me, if I, if I if I respect that person and I've seen that person's work and I want to learn from them, I'll lower the price a little bit if they allow me to come look at the property and learn from them as the project is going on so that I can learn what they're doing and then I can apply that if I ever decide to do that same thing. That's awesome. And, then, and it also helps to know that right now I can uh, see a house and I know exactly what, what uh, a couple of my buyers are going to do to it and how much that's going to cost them so I can say the repairs in terms of their language, what they would do the repairs as. So. That's great. That's really, really, uh, really great. So can I pop in here? I, I, I want to ask a question. And a lot of times, you know, on the on the uh, podcast here and just in general, we talk on a lot about theories and what's good and stuff. I want to get really, really specific here and be a little selfish. I want to ask you about a specific deal that I'm considering working on. And I want to know your take on it. So, okay. all right. So a lady called me from a website I set up. Actually, I did made this tutorial on the site on how to use a uh, how to build a website in under an hour. And I'll link to that in the show notes. That's uh, biggerpockets.com slash show 31. But so I, uh, this lady calls me and I actually didn't even know she called for three weeks because I didn't have my Google voice hooked up right. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I get the message three weeks later. I call her back and uh, she's very motivated to sell. She oh She doesn't owe anything on the house. It's in a bad neighborhood though. Not the worst neighborhood, but definitely... Uh, it's like I'm not going to get shot there, but there's definitely you know drugs and and in that neighborhood. Uh, she said she needs. She started at thirty thousand, well twenty nine, and just in the co- five minute conversation, she dropped her price to eighteen. So what I'm wondering is, should I pursue this in a bad neighborhood? I don't have any cash buyers that I know of yet that buy in that neighborhood. Like what what would you do in that case? I would say in after repair case- value, after repair value, probably forty or fifty. And Forty it, or fifty. Yeah, and it doesn't. How much that. work does it need? Maybe ten grand. Probably paint and carpet. Maybe a little more, depending on who does the work. But what would you do? Uh, I I pursued. I had a I had a deal like that pretty recently. Um, and uh, you I I pursued and then just add in there a discount because of the neighborhood. So if it was in a different neighborhood, um, of course you could probably sell that property for quite a bit more. But in a bad neighborhood, you have to take into account. I mean, especially if it's not the worst neighborhood and it's not like really really bad it's just not the best place that you want to be then you're just discounting it based on the neighborhood as well so um i i pursue it and then find the buyers that find that buy in that area a lot of times if i'm if i'm going to do something like that then um i'll drive around and if i see any we buy houses signs in that area i'll call that person and uh and then see see what they're looking for and then next thing you know i might have a a buyer so i'm I'm not going to tell them the exact deal and where it's at just in case, because I never met them, and uh, you never know if someone wants to steal a deal from you. Yeah. But um, I probably take take a little bit, a little bit of a, a look at it and see if I need her to discount it even more to make it work, or go for it. Because there was one property I just had uh, actually talked to the guy for the last time yesterday, 
and I needed him to discount it about 20,000 to make it work just because it was on a certain side of the street. If it was on the other side, then it would have been perfectly fine. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, do, do, do you mind if I jump back a, a second here to, to something? And, and it's a little selfish on my end. Uh, <laughs> so, so you said, you know, you went to the Austin meetup and met a lot of people. That's great. Uh, you said you also found people on the site itself. Uh, for, for anyone listening, how, how, do, how would one go about finding folks on the site? Are you, are you finding uh, potential buyers just by engaging, interacting? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm just engaging and interacting. Um, there's, you're going to find people that, that do fix and flips. Uh, you're going to find people on the site because if you just search for what you're like, because basically I was doing a search for to gain knowledge. So if I'm searching and then I find people that are are, um, are fixing and flipping houses and they live in my same area, then I'll meet up with them for coffee. So my goal isn't to add the person to my buyers list. My goal is to get to know them and figure out what their strategy is and learn from them. And then a byproduct, once they figure out that I wholesale properties, is uh, they're going to want to be added to my buyers list. So I don't feel like I really asked too many people to be on my buyers list. It's such a competitive market um, right now in most markets. Uh, it's really tough to find deals. And a lot of people that depended on MLS deals, they're not able to find them there. So they have to look for another source. And that source is really good wholesalers. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. It's a competitive market. Uh, obviously, uh, Austin's hot right now. You're saying, uh, what are your what are your tips for doing that? Like, how do how do people handle it when everything's flying off the shelves? Uh, well, I think. Do you mean in terms of getting the property? Yeah, you mean? yeah, yeah. Okay. In terms of like just wholesaling and finding good properties when there's so much competition. It was easy okay. when the MLS. You know, you could find anything you wanted there. It was a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, uh, when the market's not as hot, MLS is a little bit easier to find deals. Um, but when it's hot, there's a, a ton of competition. So you have to be creative and you have to, you have, to have really great marketing. Um, so with me, um, I have all different types of marketing. I started out with just direct mail. Um, I use uh, an expert uh, that I met on the, on the site and he does really awesome work. Uh, that's uh, Jerry Puckett. Um, so I feel like um, someone that's just sending out the copy on the letters that they, they decide to make up out of their brain um, I feel like I have a competitive advantage over them because Jerry is an excellent, I mean, he, he, he's done it himself as well as um, he's applying that and then he's tweaking it and I have ideas and he'll have ideas and we'll merge those together. And next thing you know, we have a really great product. Um, and I feel like the other thing that you need to do uh, in a competitive market is you have to act fast. If you hesitate at all, uh, you're most likely going to lose a deal. Nice. So uh, what I do is, I'm able to, if someone called me right now, right as soon as we finish this call, I'd be able to look up the comps and do everything on my phone within five minutes and let them know the price that I can purchase at. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, you, so you're, you're setting out this direct mail marketing, which sounds like kind of your, your primary uh, method uh, for, for finding folks. Are, who are you marketing to? Are you marketing, obviously, I'm assuming some, some form of distressed uh, property owner, yes? Uh, yes. I mean, we have uh, we market to inheritance people that just inherited property. Uh, we market to uh, people that don't live in the property and they're absentee owners. Uh, we have uh, a different. We have a pretty big list of different types of people that we market to, and we're we're growing that list um, as time goes on. But the main thing is is just getting getting the letters out there. Decide which list you want to mail to and continue to mail to those uh, people. Because um, a lot of times what, uh, what, new, what, what I did when I started out and what a lot of other new people do is they'll try one list 
they'll mail to those people and then they won't get as big of a response or they won't make a deal. So they'll switch to a different list without continually continuing to rep- repetitively hit those people. And how long does it take to hit somebody? I, I, I think they say the average is seven. Is, are, are you noticing that you know, it takes maybe four, five, six, seven touches before somebody will get in touch with you? Uh, well, we have a pretty good, a good response from the first milling. I mean, our first milling, uh, we did, we did two deals off that milling. So, nice. um, go how, on, go how on many on letters on. was that? Uh, that was about, uh, about a thousand. Wow. That's not, uh, not bad so, at all. Yeah. So we got a good amount of call. We got about 30, 30 or 40 calls coming in from that. Um, and then we just had to, to, to be persistent and follow up to make the deals happen. So from there, it's just all about, um, being persistent and, and being solution oriented and figuring out if there's any way possible you can make a deal. So, so what happens? You send out a mailing, and presumably you're directing people to to call you, right? Not to right. to respond by email or, or go to your website. Is that right? Correct. Right. Okay, so they call. Do you answer every phone call? Uh, do do you send them to a voicemail system? Do you have a virtual assistant? What do you do? Um, well, we uh, we do a combination of both. I have um, one of my one of my types of letters are going to a, uh, a uh, recorded answering service where they're actually talking to a live person. Um, another one goes straight to a voicemail that I directly return the calls to. Um, I used to answer them live, but when I answer them live, I don't know anything about the property. They expect me to know everything about it. So um, I spend like two minutes getting a, once I hear that voicemail, I get a brief overview of the property, know how much I want to pay for it. And then, uh, then I'll call them back and then we'll, will be familiar with it. Nice. So what do you do then when you say you look on your phone to try to figure out what you could offer them? What, what, uh, yeah, what are you, what are you doing to look on your phone? How do you figure out the comps and all that? Uh, well, there's, uh, all different types of, uh, apps that you can use. Um, and luckily in my market, we have Redfin, um, which is pretty similar to MLS for people that haven't used it. Um, it has the sold houses, the available houses and the pending houses. Um, so I can, uh, first, I go check on on my Zillow app, so I can figure out the exact um, uh, square footage of the property, how many bathrooms it has. Sometimes there's missing information, but if there's missing information, then I'll go to the county website, find out more about the property, and then I can take that information and then run the comps in in uh, Redfin, and then it'll pull up what I what the max of the properties are selling for. So are, are you finding that Redfin's uh, comp data is, is a little more accurate than, than some of these other guys? Uh, well, it's not. I wouldn't say, yeah, yeah, I'd say yes because it's the actual solds. So it's not, they're not giving you an estimate of what they think it's worth um, like Zillow does. It's just showing you which properties have sold. And I'm finding similar properties to the one that I have that have been remodeled that have sold in the last three to six months. So you're doing the comps yourself, but you're just using that as, as the tool set. Yeah, that's my quick way to do it. And then okay. I have a, a real estate uh, partner that I use and um, a name Uriel. So I just uh, send it over to him. But that gives me like a rough estimate um, just in case the person needs an offer right then and there. And then do you yeah. have any tips for knowing like uh, how much repairs are going to cost? I mean, I know you have a construction background, but for those who don't, how, how do people know what to offer based on the repairs? Uh, that's that's kind of... It's a, it's a little tough uh, starting out. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can read in terms of determining the repairs. Um, but I think the best thing for me is I, uh, I, I, look, I talk to people that have done the deals and I see the projects that they've done and see how much money it, they put into it. And I'm looking at those before and after pictures and then that helps me understand. 
Nice. Uh, that's like the quick, quick answer to it. But that's like one of those things where you can get really detailed and um, that kind of thing. But every single person that's going to do something with the house, they're going to have a different number on how much the repairs are going to be. Yeah. yeah. So you just need to be somewhere around there. But the main thing you want to make sure you don't do is underestimate the repairs so you can sell a deal. Nice. Yep. Nice. Um, and 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 as a a, a selfish plug here, uh, I, I think Jay Scott's book on estimating rehab costs uh, is is a pretty valuable tool. Uh, that's that's a, a bigger pockets book. Uh, you can find it at uh, biggerpockets.com/slash/flippingbook. Uh, yeah, you got to buy it with our book on flipping houses if, that way. But if you, if you just go to Amazon, you could actually pick it up on Amazon, and uh, it it kind of breaks down every, you know every different kind of uh, re- rehab cost and and kind of gives you ranges for different markets. So it's it's kind of a a helpful tool. Um, I I was going to ask you you had talked about answering service. I I just was going to ask uh, who that was that you're using. What what uh, what's the answering service that you that you use? Uh, it's it's Pat Live. So it uh it uh they when they answer the phone it's a uh, pretty uh it's pretty it's, it seems like you're calling into an office. Oh nice. Yeah. That's that's great. And then and then when when somebody calls the other line and they get the uh, voicemail is that like a Google Voice or what is that? Yeah, it's I'm using Google Voice for it. It's nice and simple, easy to set up and then I can uh, forward it straight to my cell phone and awesome. call them back from that same number. That's great. That's great. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. 
And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. So let's talk about uh, wholesaling. Yeah, I really want to dig in here because, well, first, I, I don't think we actually talked about, you know, your, your, your deals, right? So I, I don't know if you're comfortable, but about how many deals have you done so far as a wholesaler? Uh, we're, getting, we're getting close to 10 uh, oh. in this last, uh, since April. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it up a little bit. We're doing a little bit more marketing. Uh, we're getting a really good return on our marketing. We're figuring out exactly the niche that we want to continue to go at. Um, and we're solving a lot of solu- uh, problems for the, the sellers, as well as uh, we're solving problems for the people that are buying properties from us because uh, they, they, uh, they need property and it's hard to find. So we're helping them solve one of their problems in terms of getting them more properties. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think it's important, you, you know, that you, you haven't, you don't have a hundred deals under your belt. You don't have a thousand deals. And, and I, I think one of the coolest things about, uh, about this podcast is, you know, bringing folks like you on who, you know, you've been at it for, for a little bit now and you're, you're really starting to pick it up. And, and, and I think it, it's, it tends to be inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert by any means at all. Uh, I just feel like I have a little bit of uh, momentum, and I've I've hit some bumps in the road, and I feel like people can can learn from those mistakes that I've made, and uh, that'll help them be be a little bit more successful than me. Come on, Lamar, you've you've done ten <laughs> deals. I mean, where's where's your coaching program, man? Come on. Uh, I, I thought about making a, one of those guru courses, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just uh, I'd, I'd rather make deals. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, so so in terms of like the the marketing, uh, the, the, you know, you you really talked about um, being consistent and sticking with it. Uh, do, do you think do you think that's one of the the big flaws that that a lot of people have is you know they they give up and you know ultimately they try one mailing, they stop, they move to something else. Maybe they get a, a lead or two, and 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 suddenly they're like, uh, I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think a lot of people. They get, they have expectations, and then when those expectations aren't met, and they uh, they just end up slowly giving up. So it's kind of like working out. Like you start a new workout program, you're pretty excited when you when you first start it. Then you lift a, lift some weights, you get a little sore, 
then the next day going into it, you know you're going to get sore, so you're not as excited. And then I think that excitement diminishes um, because you're not seeing the results immediately. So I think that's the same thing with with um, with wholesaling and any type of real estate. If you're not seeing the results immediately, um, you just have to know why you're not getting the results. And then once you know why you're not getting the results, then you can tweak things to make the results come. So I think a lot of people, the main thing that that um, I had to learn was that I had to learn what my law of averages was. So I had to learn that I need this many leads to equal one deal. I need this many people to call me to equal one deal. And once I figured out what that was, it's between 20 to 30 people I need to call me. So if that if I want to do two deals a month, that means I need 60 people to call me a month. But if, 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 if I'm giving up after only five people called me in three months, then that's my fault because I don't know my law of averages. Um, it's, it's, I'm basing everything off time rather than the amount of leads. So if I'm getting 60 leads in a week, then that's awesome because I'm doing one deal or two deals a week. But if I'm getting 60 leads in a year, then I have a much different amount of deals that I'm doing. So I think that's uh, one thing that, that, that helped me out was understanding how many people need to call me before I'm able to buy a house and sell it. So what do you have to do to get 60 people to call you? How many letters do you have to send out or how much marketing? And, and, and if you're willing to share it, what does that cost you? Uh, well, I mean, uh, so we've, we've been focusing on a lot of direct mail, but we do, uh, we do all different types. We do bandit signs. We do online. We do, we do pretty much everything. But direct mail is the one that we like the most because you can control your, your whole funnel. Because with Bandit Signs, you can't really control how many people are going to call you because you, you're just putting the signs out and hoping people call. Um, but with, uh, with direct mail, you can send out a certain amount of letters, and then that's going to get you people calling. So we're getting about a 10% uh, call. Not about, it ranges from about 8 to 10% uh, uh, response rate on our letters. And then from there, uh, we're able to um, make deals and, and go from there. So um, send, sending out anywhere from it, it 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 ranges but we're sending out anywhere from uh a thousand to uh five thousand mailers uh and then i think one tip that i will give everyone is whenever you're doing direct mail you have to know how many calls you can handle per day or per week because when i first one time i send out about 700 mailers at the same time and then about 60 people called me in a week and I was only able to return like 12 phone calls within a two-day span. And by the third day, most of those other leads didn't even call me back. So I just wasted probably a couple deals there because I, I didn't have my everything set up correctly. That's yeah. awesome advice. That's, yeah. that's, that's really good. So, you know, it, it sounds like you can directly affect the number of deals you're going to get by applying more or less budget, right? So, you know, obviously as one guy, you can't handle 60 phone calls. But if you had a partner or two partners or you know folks working for you potentially, uh, and and you say wanted to spend three, four, five thousand bucks on on mailers and increase the number that you're putting out, you're going to see a lot more deals come through the funnel. Correct. So um, I think that um, the reason I chose wholesaling is not so that I can do a couple deals and go chasing deals around. But the reason I chose wholesaling is because no matter which strategy I choose in real estate. I need to be really great at finding a deals. So if I have a systemized business that can uh, find deals for me, then um, I can delegate that to um, other people. And then next thing you know, they're finding we're finding deals. We have our own funnel, and it's not MLS. Nice. What's What's your theory on uh, being a wholesaler with who's broke? 
Like, you know, hey, I want to be a wholesaler. I'm broke. I got no money. I got no nothing. Is it is it feasible? Is it possible? Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible. Uh, I mean, you can either save your money for a couple months and then do some marketing. You can start with bandit signs um, and save some money there. You can, I mean, there's all different types of ways that you can make it happen. And uh, I, I think uh, the thing that helped me make it happen is I didn't really I had I had money to invest, but I really wasn't sure that what I was going to do was going to work, which is not usually how I am because I'm usually pretty confident. But uh, I, I so I applied as little as my money as possible to get started. And next thing you know, uh, once I hit that first deal, I just reinvested all that, uh, most of that. And then we just kept rolling it, rolling it through. So I think um, you can do it. And I, I heard a, a wise lady told me one time, you put a, we put a man on the moon, so you should be able to do this. It's easy. So nice. um, I feel like, I mean, if we, if someone, if we can go to the moon or do some crazy things that people do, then I mean, it doesn't matter how much money I have. I feel like I can be successful. So I feel like if someone applies that same mentality to it and they don't use that as an excuse, uh, they can make it happen. Hey, well, you know the saying about excuses, right? <laughs> so. Um, re- really quick, I'm going to jump in. I know you mentioned bandit signs. It's a particular pet peeve of mine. Uh, in, in many cases, the the use of bandit signs. Uh, and and I will disclaim that that you know we definitely recommend people only use them where they're where they're allowed. Uh, yeah. Putting up signs illegally is is uh, a quick way to get yourself into some some trouble. So yeah. don't do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I have a qu- certain. There's certain ways you can do it, and you just have to make sure you're doing it the right way, and you're uh, following the city ordinances and those different types of things. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Uh, I, I'm wondering about uh, talking with sellers. I want to go back to my selfish question. <laughs> so when okay. I talk to the what about my deal, Lamar? Come on, I got this thing. Well, I need I, I need help. I, I need help here. I need I here's need what's going to happen. You guys, after the phone call, are going to talk. You're going <laughs> to the deal. Lamar's going to walk you through it. Moving oh, on. <laughs> no, I got – all right. So when I go to talk to this lady, I talk to her. And uh, uh, I'm wondering, how do you get like – I mean, what do you do to talk to people? How do you get people on your side to like you, to want to sell to you? Like, He's what, nice. You're, you're just <laughs> – that's why nobody likes you, Brent. <laughs> well, I, I think she liked me, but I don't know. I, I'm wondering uh, like I, what, what, what can I do better? Well, I don't know what you can do better. We haven't really hung out too much. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say hopeless. Uh, that a lot, of, a lot of times I'll get deals uh, because the person that, that talked to them before me, for some reason or another, the person didn't like them. And nine times out of ten, it's just because the person came in and they got straight to business. Yeah. Like with me, I'm genuinely excited to meet new people and I genuinely care about them. And then I, I always make it a goal to never ask them a question that I don't care about the answer to. So that makes it that forces me to genuinely build relationships with people, and and then uh, when we're building relationships, and next thing you know, uh, someone's gonna give them a, a five thousand dollar higher offer than me, but they'll still sell me the property because they like me better. And like when someone likes you, they trust you a little bit more, and um, it's uh, it's just all about building that relationship. So when you build that relationship, um, then I think that makes everything easier. Um, so my goal is to build the relationship as fast as possible, um, and then. And then be able to do business as well. Um, so I had one one uh, one seller. He uh, ended up uh, selling me his property, but uh, at the end of our first meeting, he told me he feels like we're best friends and we've been nice. uh, knowing each other forever. And so it was it was kind of a good compliment to me. Do you have do you have any icebreakers or or any tips for for folks who are 
afraid of that phone call because <laughs> that could be really intimidating. Somebody calls, you get the voicemail, and you're like, um, okay, I don't know how to. How do I do it? What do I? What do I say? What, you know, any 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 advice on that? Uh, I think uh, I used to always try to come up with like these crazy icebreakers and different things like that, but a lot of times they end up sounding corny. So I know some people, <laughs> <laughs> some people are really good at it, but I'm not. So I just uh, my easiest icebreaker is I'm I'm just really excited when I when I call them back and they answer the phone and I ask them how their day is going and based on how they respond to that, lets me know what they're what they want to talk about. Like if they're like, yeah, my day is awesome. I hung out with my kids today, blah, blah, blah. Then I can keep talking to them about that for a little bit. Um, and then now we, we like each other a little bit more. Um, or um, then that same person, if they tell me, they say the day has been awesome and all that stuff and I just go straight into business, they're going to dislike me a little bit. Yeah. So my goal is just to make sure that I'm building great relationships. Sometimes people want to get straight to business and that's our way to build relationship is getting straight to business. So. Um, I think your tone of voice and how excited you are when you're talking to them it makes makes the most. Uh, All right, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that's that, that that's, creep, that's very good. That would creep advice. me out, Josh. That would creep, <laughs> creep me out. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I got your postcard. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Creepy. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so what do you typically aim for in a, in a wholesale deal? Like, how much minimum profit do you want to make? Uh, I, I don't think I've done one for less than $5,000. No. Uh, but, but, uh, as well as you don't want to try to try to get greedy, but I just, I just try to get the max that I can to make the deal work. So, uh, maybe, maybe my goal is to make $10,000, but then the person that's interested, uh, they, they can only pay seven, give me, give me $7,000. So, uh, we'll see. I'll see if that'll make it work, and then if it can, uh, we'll do it. So I'm not trying to be greedy. My goal is just to. to my my goal is more for volume rather than hitting home runs every time, because I know if I just keep hitting those base hits, eventually I'll hit a couple home runs, and that'll be pretty awesome. But I just need to be uh, develop that reputation of being a really uh, a good wholesaler with with uh, great integrity that brings people good deals, uh, depending on what their strategy is. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Integrity is something that that, you know, it it's a shame because this business what one of the reasons I started Bigger Pockets was I felt like the business was just real crappy. I mean, there were so many bad people with bad reputations who kind of dominated the space and and you know, my goal was let's try and, you know, change this business. Let's try and bring a little more integrity. Investors don't have to be the bad guy and and uh I love it when we, you know, more and more we, we talk to people and, and that's what it's about. It's like, hey, we're not trying to screw people. This is like, you know, let's be, you know, let's have integrity and, and yeah, it's going to drive drive us and it works. Yeah, because my, my goal is, is to uh, to be in business for a long time. Uh, anyone can make make a deal and, and trick someone and make, make a couple thousand dollars once. But if you want to be have a long lasting business, it's all about the integrity. So that's the reason. I focus on that. That's not the main reason, but it's because it's the right thing to do. But that that's a byproduct of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Hey, really quick. So uh you you know, you, you talked about what you aim for. What have you had any home runs? And if so, you know, what did those look like? And 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 maybe you could afterwards tell us, you know, have you had a, any terrible deals and, and what were those like? Uh well, home runs, I mean, uh I haven't had any crazy home runs uh recently, but uh I mean 
we we made uh, 15 15,000 here on uh, one of these properties in Austin. Uh, it was it was actually um, a deal that I almost I almost gave up on because the guy called me and uh, or we we're about to we we're about to make the deal. And then he called me the next day when we we're supposed to meet about an hour before we we're supposed to meet. And he told me, uh, hey, uh, I don't think I want to sell my property. And I was like, uh, why not? And he was like, uh, because I think I'll waste the money too fast. <laughs> and I was, I was, I kind of, I was like, okay, I didn't know what to say, so I, I was like, all right, no problem. Uh, maybe in the future, whatever you're supposed to say, I guess. <laughs> and then, uh, so we we hung up. And then in my mind, I was thinking, well, that's that can't be the real reason, because I mean, if he owns eight properties, he has to be good at managing money. So uh, I called him back, and I was like, hey, I was just trying to figure out, like, I mean, I know, I know you're good at managing money, so I don't, I don't, I don't really. Think that's the real reason that you don't. Want <laughs> you called him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a good relationship, so it, it allows for you to say different things. And then, so he was just like, "Yeah, I mean, uh, I just uh, don't know what my taxes are going to be like, and all that different kind of stuff." Um, and then he was planning on buying some more properties. So basically, I came up with a solution for him so that we could do a 1031 exchange, uh, so that he could use the money from that property to put it into another property, which was actually way bigger, and he could get him a higher rent. Um, and he, he got the, that deal from knowing an agent that he bought another property from. So it ended up working out, um, but we ended up making about uh, about uh, $15,000 off that one. Um, I wouldn't call that too much of a home run, but uh, I feel like it's uh, it's pretty good for doing about six hours of work. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice, nice. And and, and in, in terms of like bad deals, did you have any go sour that you just couldn't close or, or any just you know terrible experiences? Uh, no, I think, uh, one, one of my bad deals that didn't become a deal was, uh, I built a pretty good relationship with a guy. He was like, Hey, you're my guy. You're my guy. I'm going to sell it to you. And he, we were just waiting for him to become the executor of the property because he inherited it. So becoming the executor allows him to sell the property. So he was going through that process and, uh, he, he was, we were so, uh, had such a good relationship that he was. Uh, showing me the contracts from other people that were sending them to him. He was giving me all the direct mail that he was getting because uh, so I, I asked him for it so I can know what my competition's doing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then he still gives me the, that mail to this day. But what happened is he called me on a Friday. He's like, hey, I'm the executor now. I'm ready to sell. Um, you're my guy. I'm ready to sign the contract. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, it was a Friday afternoon. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll be there in the morning. He was like, okay. So I go there in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. He told me he wakes up at 5. I get there. I knock on the door. He's not that excited as he normally is. And then uh, he's like, hey, yeah, sit down. I, I signed a contract with someone else yesterday. Oh, so, uh, so, And it was like $1,000 more. And it was a contract that I already seen. But uh, they showed up, and, and they ended up convincing them to get the deal. So, uh, I mean, that was a, I'd say that was about a $10,000 uh, learning lesson. <laughs> and uh, so I... Uh, I'll never make that mistake again. So the key is don't don't wait, just do it. Yeah, correct. Act, act as fast as possible. Yep, yep. Cool. All right. Well, we're we're starting to run out of time here, so we're going to jump right into our fire 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 round. Fire round. <laughs> <laughs> what is the fire round, Brandon Turner? Fire round are questions chosen from the Bigger Pockets forums that people have asked recently, and we're going to ask you to chime in quickly. And uh, first one is. How old is too old for a house to wholesale? Is there such a thing? Uh, I don't think there's such a thing. So you'll go that any is, you'll look any age. That it's not standing, you can just tear it down and build something else. Okay. Nice. 
All right, yellow letter or white letter? Uh, whatever you test and gets the best response. Because <laughs> <laughs> us- usually what your competition's not doing works better. Uh, nice. What are you using right now? Uh, I use a combination of stationary and yellow letters. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Great. What do you Good do? Answer. Yeah. What do you do when you uh, go to talk to a seller and you find out they owe more than what the property is worth? Do you do anything? Uh, I refer to uh, a real estate agent that does short sales. Okay. There you go. And are you licensed? I'm not licensed. Okay. Right on. Uh, if you were, that would be an opportunity to to get some. Uh, you know, uh, fees there potentially. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, um, what what uh, what do you do when you have a really ho- heavy call volume, um, but uh, uh, but you're working a full time job? So what sh- what should somebody do if they're working and and uh, you know they just how do they handle all the calls? Uh, I'd say the best thing to do is figure out how many uh, calls you can handle per day, and then only mail uh, the amount of mail that will get you that many calls or less. Okay, there you go, and. Uh, Wholesaling long distance, do you do it? Why or why not? Uh, I do not do it uh, because I know the market better here and I don't have too much of a shortage on deals here. But eventually in my long-term plans, uh, that might be a strategy. Okay. And I think that's that's important to kind of know the market at least. So even if you are going to wholesale long distance, make sure make sure you know the, the market that you're wholesaling in. So, yeah. well, good idea. All right. Uh, next one, Josh. Web presence, is it necessary? Do you have one and, and is it required? Uh, I think it's like any other type of marketing. It's not necessary or required, but if you have it, it's better. And and do you have a web presence? I do. Okay, perfect. And we will point to that website from the show notes. Okay, awesome. Yes. All right, last question, Lamar. Do you use pay-per-click ads like Google or Facebook and why or why not? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, you'll get a really good response rate if you do it the right way. Cool. That sounds what's, like a whole other show right there. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a leading question. Uh, <laughs> what's the right way, Lamar? Uh, well, I, I just say find someone that's an expert on it and, and uh, get them to do it for you. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually great advice. That's great advice. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. Well, listen, that's that's fantastic. We're We're coming to – to the close here, uh, of course, of, of show 31 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, you can check out the show notes at uh, biggerpockets.com slash show 31. Let's finally jump into the big, fat, famous four. Good. All right. Favorite real estate book, Lamar? Uh, my favorite real estate book is, it has to be, I know everyone says this, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the only reason... Is, and the main reason is because it changes your mentality from being an employee and having that employee mindset that we get taught in school to being more of a business owner and an investor. So I think that's the book I read that changed my mentality. There you, go. Right I, you know, I'm thinking anybody who listens to our podcast on a regular basis, if they haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they really should. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, some people don't even like it. I mean, a lot of people don't like the book, but the fact that almost every single person says it, it says something about the book. So anyway. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not the best book in the world, but it changes the mentality and it's really good for that. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I agree on that. Um all right, famous uh biz- famous fa- fa- favorite business book. Any any uh business books that stand out to you? I have two of them. Uh one is uh Good to Great. That's probably my favorite business book. And the other one is Four Hour Work Week. 
uh, because when I read that book, it helped me. F- I learned what I mean. I learned what outsourcing was. Yep. And uh, I, f- I found out that I've been doing that my whole life, outsourcing my chores to my little brother. So <laughs> <laughs> Josh makes fun of me because I like the four-hour work week so much. So you can yeah. y- you can back me up there. It's a great book. Now, did your little brother realize that he was being outsourced to? Is, is... Uh, he probably realize if he ever, ever hears this call. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, cool. uh, how about how about any hobbies? What do you do for fun uh, outside of real estate? Uh, my favorite thing is to, to play basketball. So, uh, nice. any any real estate investors in Austin that play basketball, if you ever want to get dunked on, just uh, email oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> how tall are you, Lamar? I'm about six four, six three. Okay, I'm I'm six five, but I'm terrible at basketball. Uh, okay, you're like you're a little taller than me. You, you could probably block my shot. Or <laughs> I want to see I want to see a one on one right here. I yeah. want to see versus <laughs> Brandon. I I, I think it'll be ugly, but uh, <laughs> it will be it will be ugly on my part. All right, last question of the day. Final question: What do you believe sets apart the wholesalers who succeed and take off, and those who just don't? Persistence plan is simple you just have to be persistent um i i uh when that book think and grow rich uh my uh, one of my favorite books as well uh there's a story about a guy that uh he was searching for gold he stopped right before he hit it uh he was three feet away from hitting one of the biggest gold vans in history um and then a junk a junk dealer ended up finding it and uh, it became one of the richest people so i think uh you just got to make sure you don't stop because uh, you might be three feet away from gold nice that's fantastic and and you know i I'll say that that along similar lines, you know, many, many, many years ago, I, I you know, at, with with bigger pockets as as a perfect example, you know, this this site, uh, you know, I I've, I had lots of people tell me, you know, what the hell are you doing? This, you know, the, the, the shot, the site's not going anywhere. You're you're not gonna, you know, this isn't gonna be a legitimate business. You're not gonna succeed. And I said, listen, you know, I'm if I stick it out, I know that there's a passion here. I know that this is something I'm excited about and I know how to do it. It may take me a little bit longer, but I'm going to work through it and work through the challenges and difficulties. And, and I did. And, and lo and behold, you know, we've got this community that's, you know, second to none. Uh, and, 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 you know, I see it so many times in my life with people who, who just work through it. You got to work through the hard times. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Lamar. Well, listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really uh, excited to have you on the show. Anybody listening, Again, remember, uh, if you've got questions for, uh, for Lamar, jump in on the show notes. He'll be there to answer your questions, or you could check out his profile and, and connect with him. He's, he's definitely a good guy to know. So uh, jump in, ask questions, and uh, Lamar, we, we, we definitely appreciate having you. Uh, thanks for having me. This is pretty awesome. Thank you, Lamar. All right, guys. So that was our show. Thanks again to Lamar for, uh, for jumping in and, and, uh, uh, putting up with with Brandon's uh, absolute nonsense. <laughs> hey Josh, knock knock. Seriously, knock knock. Seriously, knock knock. Okay, uh, who's there? Etch. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Get it? Etch really? you? Yeah, I I got it. Uh, I thought that one was I, funny. I, I, yeah, that that was that was not funny at all. Um, <laughs> so. As I was saying, now listen, thank you guys uh, for, for checking out the show. Uh, we, we, we certainly appreciate it. If, uh, as, as we always say, if you're not already uh, following us on, on Facebook, definitely jump in and check us out at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. 
Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash biggerpockets. Check us out on biggerpockets at biggerpockets.com. Jump in, hang out with us, participate. You know, get involved. Uh, you'll meet guys like Lamar, who who that's that's you know we we literally just talked about him doing that and and building up uh, these business leads. So so definitely be sure to do that. Otherwise, uh, as as uh, you know th- things go, uh, we we definitely appreciate everybody who's taken the time to to share this podcast to let people know about it. It really does mean a lot to us. The more people that that you guys can help us uh, spread the word to. Uh, the 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 more people we're going to have interacting with us and potentially doing business with us on the site, so so uh, please do that. Uh, on iTunes, we we're up to 357 five star reviews, which is awesome. We we continue to be the top rated show on on iTunes, and uh, we uh, we now have 237 awesome awesome written reviews. So uh, if you haven't done that, please, you know, take take a couple minutes and and let us know what you what you thought about the show, and and by doing so, you're going to let other people who who are uh, curious find out what uh, what the Bigger Pockets podcast is all about. So that's it. No more jokes. No more nonsense. This is Josh Dorkin signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors, large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Here to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, are you still here? Okay, good. Let's have a little fun. If you're on Twitter, go over to Twitter.com slash J.R. Dorkin and leave Josh a tweet with two words. Knock, knock. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.